Tonight, I'm going to do something that I don't know that I've done before in a service. We're going to be looking at two different chapters. Um, I'm going to be starting in Psalm 137, but actually two different books of the Bible as well. So I'm going to be comparing here two books of the, two chapters in the Bible, Psalm 137, um, and also we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 10. So we're going to be flipping back and forth. Uh, we'll be using the screens. Colby's going to get his workout tonight. Flipping back between Psalm 137 and Daniel chapter 10. By the way, a big thank you to those guys that work in the PA booth up there. Uh, a lot of behind-the-scenes work goes on and uh, to make the service run smoothly. I'm going to start, though, in Psalm 137. Uh, psalm 137 is it's an imprecatory psalm. Imprecatory psalm. And what that means is it's a psalm where there's a lot of emotion and feeling... And it's one where the author calls for vengeance, for God to bring vengeance uh, on his behalf to his enemies. Uh, there's about ten, maybe a dozen psalms that would be categorized as imprecatory. Psalm 137 is one of them. And uh, we're going to read all nine verses here in Psalm 137. It says, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there, they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy, remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem who said, Raise it, raise it, even to the foundation thereof. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed? Happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones Against the stones. There's some disturbing language in this Psalm 137. And uh, we're going to look at this Psalm and we're going to compare it with Daniel chapter 10. First, I'm going to have a word of prayer. Um, Kurt was giving me a hard time about having how many points are in my sermon tonight. There are only six, but each one is a double point. So I guess you could say 12. Um, but we'll be looking at uh, this psalm and comparing it with Daniel chapter 10. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us and for all that you have provided for us this year in 2022. Thank you for the goodness and the good gifts that you've poured out upon us. Father, thank you for your word that we can open, that we can apply to our lives, that's real and that's applicable to us today. I just pray that we would uh, hear your word gladly tonight and that we would apply it to our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me say, before we look at Daniel chapter 10... Let me just start out by saying the path of life that we all walk often brings to us unexpected events, um, unwanted events, uh, events that are dark and difficult. And this is, Psalm 137 here is addressing, or at least is taking place during one of these events. The captivity of Israel. Brother Cameron Howell had mentioned it Sunday morning about Daniel being in the captivity and how that centuries later precipitated the wise men. Um, being instructed by the scriptures and whatever they were, the old text, to go find the, the Messiah in Bethlehem. The captivity of Israel in the Old Testament 
was a time of darkness and bitterness. It was a bitter experience for the nation of Israel. They had lost their land, and they had lost everything that was familiar to them. Um, I can't imagine if, or think about, you know, going back to some of the older wars, World War II, World War I. What would have happened if the United States had lost? Can you imagine what the feeling would be if an, a foreign power had taken control of Washington, D.C., and we no longer got to vote? We no longer got to choose um, who our elected officials are? We no longer had the Constitution that we have. We no longer had Congress or the Supreme Court. We had dictators that lived across the ocean telling us what to do and how to live. Um, this is what had happened to the nation of Israel. They lost their physical security when, when they watched as their walls were torn down by a foreign enemy. They lost their spiritual bearing as they watched the temple that Solomon had built torn stone by stone and carried away. They lost control of their future as they saw their king put in bondage and carried away to Babylon. They lost their historical identity as they themselves, anyone who was anyone, anyone who had any type of talent, anything to offer Babylon, they were taken and captive in chains and brought away from their homes to a place they had never been. Um, like I said, Psalm 137 is an imprecatory psalm, and we see here, we don't know who wrote Psalm 137. The Bible doesn't tell us who the author is. Um, of course, about half the Psalms are written by David. This one was not written by David. Most likely, the best guess that we have is that Psalm 137 may have been written by one of the prophets that had been carried away. Some even say maybe it was written by Daniel. Maybe it was written by uh, one of the other prophets. Maybe Jeremiah, who, when he was, even though he stayed in Jerusalem. We don't know who wrote. Maybe it was just a person that didn't write any other scripture, just this one chapter. Um, a lot of times when we look at difficulties, we always go to the book of Job. And for good reason, Job has a lot of lessons that we can learn from there. But tonight I want to compare the raw emotions that we just read in Psalm 137 with a different type of character and um, kind of a, a take on it from Daniel chapter 10. Uh, we often think of Job as the epitome of difficulty and surviving difficulty and despair. But Daniel, in Daniel chapter 10, he provides for us a template of how we should handle these type of circumstances that come into our life. Because none of us are immune from them. Um, anyone who's out of their teenage years, and many who are still in their teenage years, have already experienced things in life that cause despair, difficulty, and really, in some cases, hopelessness. And in, in, in this case, Psalm 137 gives us a template on how we could spiral into bitterness. If you see here, it progresses. It starts out by sitting by the rivers of Babylon. By the end of Psalm 137, he says, and this really is disturbing, Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones. He's talking about little children there. Um, if we're not careful, if we don't guard our hearts, we can watch ourselves spiral into something that we never wanted to become. We never anticipated becoming that bitter. We never anticipated becoming that hateful. Um, to, to want evil um, like this to happen to innocent children, um, we have to guard our hearts. And we'll see how Daniel does that. First of all, I want to say Psalm 127 and Daniel 10, they both begin with the same type of environment. And I'm going to flip over to Daniel chapter 10 here. I want you to see something that is similar. 
Psalm 137 begins with, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Daniel chapter 10, in verse 2 says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Notice verse 4, And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hedekel. You see, here Daniel is in the exact same position as the author of Psalm 137 and verse 1. He also is sitting by one of the rivers of Babylon. Hedekel is, most Bible scholars believe that Hedekel is the Tigris River, which runs right through the center of modern-day Iraq and would have been one of the major rivers of the Babylonian kingdom. Although it switched hands from Babylon to Persia, here uh, Daniel says, I'm sitting by the river, the great river Hedekel. And I want to point out here the similarities of how these two chapters both begin with two people sitting by a river, both in captivity. But that's where the similarities end. They both start in the same position, but they both go two radical different directions. And it's a cautionary tale, I think, for Christians That just because we're in the same church, just because we're sitting in the same pews, just because we have the same Bible, just because we have the same promises, really we can end up in two very different spiritual conditions. Psalm 137, the author ends in a very horrific condition by the end of the chapter, but not Daniel. Daniel does something different, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. Um, Both chapters begin by describing this very similar scene. Both authors find themselves by the rivers of Babylon. Daniel sitting by the Tigris or the Hedekel, which um, is another name for the Tigris River. Psalm 137, verse 1, and I want to point this out here, it points out three natural consequences when something comes into our life that is unwanted, that's lost, that's sorrow, that's difficult. Notice what it says here in verse 1 of Psalm 137. It says, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. And that verse gives us three natural things that occur to all of us whenever we go through a very difficult time. One, the desire to stop forward progress. Just sit down. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Sometimes when when something comes into our life that's very traumatic, that's very um, unexpected, that's very discouraging, that's very difficult, sometimes we just need to stop. And we need to spend time with God alone, silent, and take some time and breathe. Um, Number two, an overwhelming wave of sadness and grief. He says, we wept. By the way, that's not a sin either. We know it's not a sin because John 11.35, the shortest verse in the Bible, tells us that our Savior, Jesus, wept. He wept at the grave of Lazarus. Even though he knew that in just a few minutes he was going to raise him from the dead, he wept. He identified with our sorrow. Um, And he really was identifying with the sorrow of Mary and Martha. Um, And then thirdly, a a feeling of emptiness for things that are unrecoverable. It says, when we remembered Zion. The people that had been taken to Babylon, they were never going back. There was no hope of them rebuilding their houses, you know, getting their old jobs back, having their old status. That was gone. It wasn't coming back. And so these three things are common to all of us when we go through loss. Um, just to take time, sit down, stop. The feeling of sorrow and heaviness and that feeling of emptiness um, that we have. And all of those are 
are echoed in John chapter 11 when Jesus deals with Lazarus' Lazarus's death. Um, in, in John chapter 11, verses 33 and 35. Matter of fact, I'm just going gonna, gonna to flip over there for a minute. Colby, I didn't put this one in my notes. But John 11, 30, 11 verse 33, I want to read this verse to you. It says, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, this is Mary and Martha, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. This isn't one of the disciples. This is Jesus. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And then two verses later, Jesus wept. You notice, you see the same type of pattern there? Matter of fact, I wrote down, when I read that verse, I wrote down this. So it's a pattern. It shows how deep the grief was in Jesus' life. Um, it says he groaned in the spirit. It took a spiritual toll on him. The loss of Lazarus, the grief surrounding him, the uh, just Mary and Martha being there in that time of loss, it took a real spiritual toll on our Savior. So, of course, it will take a spiritual toll on us as well. Number two, it says he was troubled. Now, that really, you know, that can perplex us. Well, how could Jesus be troubled? He's the creator of the universe. But he was troubled, which tells me he had an emotional... It was, it was deeply mental and emotional toll on him as well. The Bible says it was a spiritual toll. There was an emotional, there was an, a mental toll on him. And then in verse 35, it says he wept. It, it produced a physical result as well. A physical toll. Um, and all of these things happen to us when we suffer loss as well. So we can't just... You know, when, when we have a fellow Christian who goes through something that's difficult, loss... We can't just say, well, you'll get through it. I mean, we, we can say that, but we have to understand there is real spiritual, mental, and physical trouble that is okay for a Christian to feel. Jesus felt it, and he was our Savior, and he was perfect. I have six points here, so I'll get into the points here. What, what to do and what not to do. So, if you're doing my PowerPoint up there, PowerPoint number one, actually number two, defiant withdrawal or hopeful reliance. These are the two choices that we have, and we're going to look through these verses here. Defiant withdrawal or hopeful reliance. We find in Psalm 137 an unhealthy spiral into bitterness and resentment that eventually paralyzes and controls the author and all of his life perspective. Um, In Daniel chapter 10, we find someone who's in the exact same circumstances, but instead he chooses to approach it in a different way. Daniel had also lost everything. But he takes a different uh, stance. Let's look at Psalm 137 and verse 2. It says, We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. A defiant withdrawal. I'm not going to participate anymore. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to read my Bible. Literally, I'm not going to sing anymore. I'm not going to participate um, anymore. I'm going to defiantly withdraw. How dare God do that to me? How dare God bring this into my life? Doesn't he know what I was doing for him? Um, We stop doing things that bring us closer to God. We stop praying. If God's going to be like that to me, I don't want to talk to him. We stop singing. We stop studying. We stop opening the Bible. We stop hearing. We stop listening. We stop using our God-given talents for Christ's kingdom. Instead, we choose to withdraw because of the hurt. 
We stop teaching our Sunday school class. We stop giving. We stop loving. We stop serving. We don't want to see anyone. We don't want to talk to anyone. And we really don't even want to talk to God. We waste opportunities because things are scary and they're unfamiliar to us. And this is exactly what this is going on here in Psalm 137. By the way, that doesn't have to be that way because when we look in Daniel chapter 10, and I'm going to keep flipping back. I should have put another marker in my Bible in Daniel. (laughs) Daniel chapter 10 and verse 5. Let me read this verse for you. It says, this is Daniel, Then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen whose loins were girded with fine gold of Euphaz. And let me skip down to verse 7. It says, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision. But a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. I wrote this down about Daniel. Daniel lifted up his eyes during his season of despair and sorrow, and instead of withdrawing, he saw some amazing visions of the way that God was going to work through his difficulty. Instead of withdrawing and hanging up his heart, he got a visit and a vision of what the future held for him and for the nation of Israel. Faith, by the way, we see this here, faith, by the way, is not usually a group exercise. We can gather together as a church, we can encourage each other, but your faith is your faith, and it's your personal responsibility. I cannot, no one can, grow your faith for you. And we see here in verse 7, it says, I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. No one else could see it. No one else could make him see it. God had a special vision for him. And that's exactly what God has for us, even through our difficulties. Daniel fully experienced the special task that God was walking him through. He didn't compare it to what could have been if things had gone according to Daniel's plans. By the way, we know that Daniel was part of the upper crust of society in Israel. He was one of the princes. Um, He had a great future ahead of him in Israel, in Jerusalem. It was all taken away from him. Um, He could have sat and, like verse 2 of Psalm 137, hung his harp up, boycotted the wise men, sat in his room, said... I'm not even participating. I'll do the bare minimum. What do they call it now? Quiet quit. Daniel could have sat there in his job. How many have heard the term quiet quitting? Has anyone heard that term? Okay, a few of you have. So that was a 2022 word. Quiet quitting, where you just go to work and you do the absolute bare minimum, almost in defiance of your boss, because they're, for whatever reason, there's a whole bunch of reasons why people do it, but quiet quitting. Well, Daniel could have quiet quit, He didn't have to put his neck out on the line. He didn't have to um, still be used of God. But he's like, this is where God has me. This is what I'll I'll embrace. Jeremiah 29.11 For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. That comes from Jeremiah. That was God speaking about Israel while Israel was being held captive in Babylon. See, when we go through difficulty, it's not because God hates us. It's not because he has bad thoughts towards us. It's not because he's trying to put us into the ground or put his thumb on us. He has great thoughts towards us, the Bible says. He says, I know my thoughts towards you. They're great. And there's an expected end. I have something exciting in the future for you. Number two, irritated resentment or peaceful reception? Irritated or peaceful? Irritable or peaceful? Look at verse 3. Of Psalm 137. 
For there, they that carried us away captive required of us a song. Can you just hear the tone of this author? For there, they that carried us captive required of us a song. Sing. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. So these are our choices. We can either have an irritated resentment, and you can hear it in, this, in verse 3 of Psalm 137. I don't want to be here. You're asking me to sing about the Lord. I am not on particularly good terms with the Lord at this point. He has taken me out of my house, and I'm sitting in a land I don't want to be in, making me do things I don't want to do, and I, ha- I, I have no desire to sing about God. I don't like him. And what the author says, they required of us. I mean, if we were sitting in church, it's like, let's you know, sing in the choir, let's sing in congregational. We want to sing about God. But here he's saying, they were requiring me, they made me. We assume that our enemy is controlling the situation. They carried us away captive. You know, it's a very interesting uh, choice of words there. God put them into captivity. But sometimes when we're going through a difficult time, we look around and we're like, it's, it's, their, it's their fault. They did it to me. They're the ones that are responsible. And that's a choice that we have. We blame those around us for the circumstances of life. They that wasted us. They're the ones that did it to me. It was Nebuchadnezzar, when really Nebuchadnezzar was just a tool of God. We're hurt, we hurt those around us by dis- disengaging from them, and we resent the presence and the requests of those around us. And that is stated over and over again in verse 3. They required of me. They were making me. They wanted me to do this and that. By the way, they weren't asking them to do anything wrong. They wanted to hear a song about God, and they're like, well, well forget that. Daniel chapter 10, verse 9. Let's see how Daniel handles this. He says, Yet heard I the voice of his words... And when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. And behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. Daniel's sitting there, he's listening, and he's waiting for God's presence to be revealed. Different. Different attitude from Psalm 137. He senses God's voice, and it brings peace to his troublesome situation. He was in a deep sleep. God brought peace into his life. By the way, when we turn over our difficulties and our troubles to God, he brings an unsearchable um, peace into our soul that only he can, that the world cannot understand, a peace that passes understanding. Daniel was in a position of humility in verses 9 and 10. He didn't presume to judge God or the logic of his ways. God isn't relying on us to provide our own strength. In our difficult times, God does not say, well, bring your own courage and strength and boldness because I'm going to see how you handle this. God was with Daniel every step of the way. Matter of fact, we see there that the hand of the angel touches him. Um, he, He will touch us with his hand of strength to direct us into the position that he feels is best for us. And that's why God puts us into situations that are uncomfortable. Because he has a position that he wants to get us into that we then become most usable. And this is what... Daniel would not have been Daniel if he had not been carried away into Babylon. 
We wouldn't know him. We would, he would not have been the great prophet that he was. God had a purpose for him, but it included something that was very distasteful. There's no account of Daniel ever resisting Nebuchadnezzar, ever resisting Belshazzar, ever resisting Darius. I mean, Daniel's thrown into a lion's den. His friends are thrown into a fiery furnace. He's basically threatened with his life. And yet all the time, Daniel just has this overwhelming peace about him. He's not disturbed by the people who are out to get him. He's not disturbed by anything. He has his eyes focused on God. So we either can choose irritated resentment or peaceful reception. A peaceful reception to what God has brought into our life. John 14, 27 says, this is Jesus speaking, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Listen to what he says next. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. See, God's peace, Jesus' peace, is fundamentally different than the peace the world offers us. He says, I have peace for you, not as the world giveth. The world tries to find peace in all kinds of things. Power, wealth, money, entertainment, amusement, TV, movies, something. Something to get my mind off of my troubles. And Jesus says, I have a different peace for you. It's much deeper. And although the world doesn't understand it, it is the true peace that will bring satisfaction to your soul. Number three, justified rebellion or a strengthened relationship? Are we going to become rebellious or receptive? Look at Psalm 137 and verse 4. It says, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? We stop giving praise to God for the good things He has provided for us. You know, everything, Job was the one who got pushed into the most difficult situation that we could even comprehend. All of our problems and difficulties fall short of whatever Job went through. God continues to bless us even through our difficulties. But yet, if we're not careful, we become so fixated that we stop giving praise to God for the good things that He has provided. Our heart grows cold as we focus on our mistreatment instead of being a conduit for the Lord's song. Verse 4 says, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Then I wrote this down. We focus on the strangeness of the circumstance instead of the sameness of the Lord. You know, we have very uncomfortable things that get brought into our life. And if we're not careful, we can focus on the strangeness of whatever we're going through. Whatever illness that we now face. Whatever broken relationship that we now are faced with. Whatever loss that we've come across. We can become so focused on the strangeness of this feeling, the strangeness of being in this situation, that we forget about the sameness of the Lord that has walked with us up until this point in our life. He hasn't changed. He's the same. And He is with us all the way. Daniel chapter 10 and verse 11. How does Daniel handle it? I love this verse. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved. Wow. Understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. The paths between Psalm 137 and Daniel chapter 10 have now diverged so far. We have someone sitting here in self-pity, and have closed off the world, and wants nothing to do with God. And we have Daniel hearing from God himself, You are greatly beloved. I love you. Not just I love you, you're greatly beloved. And yet he's sitting by the same river 
as Psalm 137, verse 1's author is. No difference in circumstances, just difference in perspective. Um, Daniel had a renewed understanding of God's great love toward us, a man greatly beloved. By the way, God greatly beloves every single one of his children. There isn't one of us that God doesn't greatly beloved. And when we get that into our heart and into our mind, that God's love is not, is not um, changing based on our behavior. It's not changing because, well, we had a good day or we had a bad day. God greatly beloves us because of his relationship with us through his son, Jesus Christ. He accepted the truth that God wants to teach us through the difficult circumstances. Notice what it says there. It says, understand the words that I speak unto you. See, God is trying to teach us lessons as we go through these difficult times. It's not just to take up time. He's not just wonder, you know, he's not just up there at a hobby trying to figure out what can I do to those people's lives and let's see what kind of entertainment I can get out of their lives. He has a lesson for us to learn and he says here, um, understand the words that I speak unto thee. And then Daniel accepted the re- he accepted, he didn't resist his own frailty. You know, the Bible does say that we can do nothing without him. Daniel's uh, friendship was forged with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego through a very difficult time when they were all facing death from Nebuchadnezzar. And yet that was another byproduct of this very difficult time that Daniel was put through. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, And he said unto me, this is to Paul, the Apostle Paul, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. There's a key to why God brings infirmities into our life. This is Paul speaking after he was denied the removal of the thorn in the flesh. He makes these statements. Number four, pining for the past or focus on the future. Pining for the past or focus on the future. Let's look at verses 5 and 6 of of Psalm 137. It says, If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. The author in Psalm 137 has an unhealthy fixation on the things that he lost. And it's revealed in the refusal to use what God had provided in the present. We already saw that. He refused to to do anything with what God had provided with him in the present. Instead, his whole life was fixated on what had been. On what could have been if this hadn't come into my life. And what I used to be able to enjoy. And how I used to find identity. A A stop to our present potential so that we can live in the past. And this is exactly what Psalm 137 is describing. The person, he hangs his harp on the tree. He has no potential in the present because he's so fixated on what happened in the past. And idealizing the past into a form of worship. When really God alone should be the focus of our worship. Not a past experience. Not who we used to be in the past. Not what we could have been if the past hadn't happened. Daniel chapter 10 verse 12 and 14 it says, Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. And then verse 14 says, Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. Well, what a difference. Psalm 137, it's all about 
Oh, I wish I was back in Jerusalem. I wish I had my nice house with my five bedrooms and my three bathrooms and my two-car garage and the Cadillac I used to drive and all of the stuff I used to have. Daniel, God says, wait till you see the great things I have for the future. Wait till you see the vision of what I have for the nation of Israel. Wait till you see how I'm going to use you. Wait till you see how people 2,000 years from now are going to read the writings that you write. Wait till you see how much I still have in store for you. Why? Because you're greatly beloved. You're not forgotten. You've not been forsaken. There's not been one iota of a second that I have forgotten or forsaken you. As a matter of fact, all of this is part of my master plan. Um, Set our hearts to understand. Acceptance of unwanted circumstances begins by giving our hearts to understand that God makes no mistakes. I think the wording here in verse 12 is very interesting. It says, Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand. It doesn't say from the first day that you understood why God did this and what he was doing. It says from the day you set your heart to understand. In other words, from the day that by faith you decided that my ways are higher than your ways, that my logic is better than your logic, that my path is straighter than your path, from the day that you settled in your heart, not the day you understood the end of it, the day you decided that you were going to trust me for whatever this path led to, from that day is when I started working in your life. Chasten ourselves before God. That's what it says there in verse, uh, again in verse 12. He said that he chastened himself before God. What does this imply? It implies humility. A laying aside of our own will in the favor of God's will. That's what that phrase means, chasten himself before God. God was fully in control of the future. When we reject God's present plan, when we reject what God is doing in our life right now, then we limit our future potential in God's plans. Philippians 3.13 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, all the things I lost, all the problems that I can't do anything about, all the things that I used to have, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Number five, finding fault or securing inner strength. Psalm 137 verse 7 says, Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom. This is interesting. In the day of Jerusalem, who said, Raise it, raise it even to the foundation thereof. By the way, raise it. You notice how it's spelled there. They're not saying raise it like build it up. They're saying raise it like tear it down and eliminate it. Um, uh, um, (laughs) Finding fault or securing inner strength. If we're not careful and we follow this path of bitterness, we find ourselves pointing our fingers at the faults of others. What does the author here in Psalm 137 do? He says, remember, O Lord... Edom. You remember Edom? Esau? The descendants of Esau? You remember what they did? You remember how many problems they had? Remember all the things they did to us? Remember how they used to say, raise it, raise it, destroy Jerusalem? Remember all the problems they had? And if we're not careful, that's where we can find ourselves if we travel the road of bitterness. 
Yeah, I know I have problems, but remember all the problems that that person had? Remember their issues? And if we're not careful, that's the same path that we are tempted to walk down. Uh, We lay blame on the actions of others for our present circumstances. We undermine our own strength by attributing power to others instead of God. Man, Edom. It was because they said, raise it, raise it. That's why Babylon came and took us away. Well, really, that wasn't had anything to do with it. Okay? What Edom did and the results of Israel were not related to each other. Edom had their own problems, Israel had its own problems, and God dealt with both of them separately and in his own way. And so when we go through a difficulty, there's no benefit in us pointing our fingers at someone else and saying, well, it's their fault. They did it. They contributed to it. Uh, Maybe in a human way, maybe they did. But in God's sovereignty, he can still use it uh, for our own benefit. Daniel chapter 10, verses 18 and 19 says, Then there came again and touched me, one like the appearance of a man, and he strengthened me, and said, notice again, second time, O man, greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened, and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. Wow. The two paths have now gone so far apart that they're almost un- it's almost unbelievable that these are both taking place in the exact same place. Daniel, being touched again by God, being told you're greatly beloved, and being strengthened by God himself. We find security and strength when we remember our status in Christ. As Christians, we have the hope that the world does not have. We have a strength that the world does not understand. We have an eternal perspective that gives us a confidence that the average person walking down the street does not have, that we have as Christians. Strength is found in God's Word, not in our ability to find fault in someone else. But it's tempting. It's very tempting to try to build ourselves up by tearing someone else down. And when we go through a difficult time, it can be tempting for us to do that, but it leads to nothing productive. And here we see Daniel. He does have that strength by God touching him, and it gives him a strength that's supernatural. Living in peace and strength provided by the security of faith in God is ours to have when we accept that God is working in our life and that he has not forsaken us. I don't know how much more clear it could be than Daniel chapter 10 and verse 19. Peace be unto thee, be strong. Those are two things that God wants for us. Peace and strength. It doesn't come by tearing someone else down like in Psalm 137, verse 7. Next, retribution or rest in Christ. This is my last point. Verses 8 and 9 of, of Psalm 137. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed? Happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. Can you just hear the vengeance? Can you just hear it? It's just dripping with, and you're going to get your just desserts someday too. And I can't wait. I can't wait to be sitting in the grandstand when God strikes you with lightning. You know, it's like, Wow. Bitterness, just the bitterness that comes through of verses 8 and 9. Happy shall he be that takes and dashes thy little ones against the stones. Now, how does Daniel react? Well, before I get to Daniel, let me say this. The desire to exact vengeance on those who have hurt us, happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. The bitterness that is allowed to take hold, by the way, always seeps further than intended. It's like an acid. That can't be controlled. I don't think that the children, the little babies in Babylon, had much to do with Israel being taken away. 
But if we let bitterness run unfettered in our life, that will touch people's lives that had nothing to do with our situation, and it will hurt people that had nothing to do with it. Um, if we're not careful. Even those who are innocent are affected by the bitterness that if we're not careful will well up in our own heart and soul. Empty relief, by the way, it's just empty relief is found in the suffering of others. There's no relief in someone else suffering like I'm suffering. Well, I can't wait till you go through the same thing I'm going through. That's not going to help us. It doesn't help us at all. Daniel chapter 10 verses 20 and 21, the last two verses of Daniel chapter 10. Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. This is the angel. This, an angel has been speaking to Daniel this whole time. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things, but Michael, your prince. There's some very interesting things there. One, Acceptance in the fact that our enemy is not flesh and blood. Throughout Daniel chapter 10, there's a totally different focus. Psalm 137, the author is focused on the Babylonians, the Edomites, those people, those people that did this to me. Daniel chapter 10, it's all about God and the spiritual realm. There's angels, there's principalities, there's powers, God's moving There's visions. It's not Nebuchadnezzar that did this to you. I did it to you using Nebuchadnezzar. It's not Darius. It's not the other presidents and princes that threw you in the lion's den. I directed your path into the lion's den so that I could show myself mighty. It's not Nebuchadnezzar that threw you into the fiery furnace, your three friends. I directed your three friends to be thrown into the fiery furnace so that I could have my son, uh, the son, my son of God, show up as an example of my power and my strength. And so Psalm 137, the author is so fixated on the human instruments that God uses that it becomes bitter towards those people. Daniel doesn't have that same experience. Rest in the fact that God is more than capable of fighting for us and protecting us from that which is truly harmful. It says there in, the, in those verses, Now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. You know, the problems that, that we can see are just so small compared to the spiritual problems that God is dealing with all the time. You know, he has this angel who's apparently fighting the prince of Persia. And although we don't know everything that's going on there in Daniel chapter 10 because we're flesh and blood, and there's princes and there's powers and there's principalities that are fighting behind the scenes, there's demonic forces. And yet God said, I'm in control. I got my angels, I know where they're going, and I know what's going on. Matter of fact, in a few hundred years, Persia's going to be off the scene and Greece is going to be here. Don't worry. It's my timetable. I have it under control. Getting our information from the scripture of truth instead of from our own logic. And that phrase there, um, I come unto thee, and he says there in verse 21, but I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. I love that phrase. And then my favorite part, how this uh, chapter 10 ends, he says, There is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael, your prince. Do you know that God has personalized your protection? Michael, your prince. Not Michael, the archangel. Not Michael, the head of all the angels over here. Not Michael, the prince of this. Or Michael, the angel of that. Michael, your prince. He is assigned to you. God has 
personalized his protection for us in this world to fit the purpose for which he created us. There is none that holdeth me with these things but Michael, your prince. And I love that, that, that uh, pronoun there, your prince. Um, because that's probably where we get the idea of guardian angels. God has, he has personalized for us the protection that we need in order to fulfill his will for us in this life. Ephesians 6, 11 and 12. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Let me just say, in closing, you know, difficulties, sorrow, loss, emptiness, all of those things, they're not an indication of God's presence or lack of presence. Um, we need to be very careful that we don't read into the difficult things that come into our life. It's not because God doesn't like us as much as someone else. It's not because God has forsaken us. It's not because God doesn't you know, value us as much. Daniel was greatly beloved, and he went through some of the most difficult circumstances. Daniel had personalized, perfect protection, and yet he also was carried away into Babylon, suffered as a slave and as a servant, and you know, could have pouted and, and wallowed in bitterness and self-pity like we see in Psalm 137. We either choose to go down the path of bitterness, self-pity, and retribution, or we choose by faith to trust that we are still greatly beloved and that God's purpose for our life is being accomplished through the difficulties. Not just in spite of the difficulties, but through, specifically through the difficulties. Daniel never could have become the great prophet that he was if he had not gone through the difficulties that God brought into his life. And that's the same uh, love that God has for each and every one of us. He doesn't bring it to hurt us. He brings it into our life so that we can become exactly what he wants us to become for his kingdom. Let's go ahead and bow in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for loving us and, again, for your word that you've given to us. Thank you for the encouragement that is in your word. Thank you for all that you've blessed us with, that we can have multiple copies of your, of your word of truth and that we can open it and read it. We can apply it to our life. Father, thank you for the stories in the Bible that you don't just tell us truth, you also illustrate it for us so that we can see it more clearly. I just pray that you bless those in our church who are going through difficult times. Father, I think of uh, whether it's health or, or relationship or emotional, mental, Father, even spiritual oppression. Father, I just pray that you would be with those in our church that just need a special comfort and, and encouragement. I pray that you would give that to them during this time. Uh, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's all stand. The piano will play just a verse. If you just want to stand there, ask God to show in your own heart where maybe you've allowed bitterness to seep in. We're all susceptible to it. None of us are exempt from it. Maybe there's a part in our life where we say, God, I just I need to give this to you. It's out of my control. It's not what I would have chosen, but it's what you've allowed to come into my life.
Thank you, Sarah. Well, that was the last service of 2022. And then Sunday, don't forget, as uh, Brother Mutchler said, on Sunday morning, Brother T.J. Gardner is going to be uh, preaching at 10.30. Note the special time. Um, don't come at 11. You'll be coming halfway through a sermon. You'll probably have missed the good part, so make sure that you're here right at 10.30. <laughs> and then there's no Sunday school on Sunday morning, so just be in your place if you are here in town. We'd love to see you to, to get uh, 2023 started off on a great note. So thank you again for coming tonight, and uh, you're dismissed. Thank you.